This is day 169 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Ezekiel chapters 38 through 42. Lord Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. You are so worthy of our praise, and our and your glory is amazing. We can't even scratch the surface of it when we look at your creation and knowing that you made all these things, the intricacies of life and such variety of species of creatures, and the marvels of nature. You are so amazing, and yet we take you for granted so often. How much of a gift you have given us by giving us the universe around us for us to interact with and to enjoy. Lord God, if this is who you are, then this should change everything. This should change the way we worship you. This should change the way that we pursue you. Because, Lord, you are worthy of our worship and our praise. Lord, as we enter into your word today, please enlighten us. Please show us your wisdom so that we can apply it to our lives and that we can better ourselves in the name of your Son. And in his his name I pray. Amen. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired, a great company with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and put with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer with all its troops, Beth Togarmah from the remotest parts of the north with all its troops, many peoples with you. Be prepared and prepare yourself, you and all your companies that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be summoned. In the latter years you will come into the land that is restored from the sword, whose inhabitants have been gathered from many nations to the mountain of Israel, which had been a continual waste. But its people were brought out from the nations, and they were living securely, all of them. You will go up, you will come like a storm, you will be like a cloud covering the land and all your troops, and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, It will come about on that day that thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil plan. And you will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go against those who are at rest, that live securely, all of them living without walls and having no bars or gates, to capture spoil and to seize plunder, to turn your hand against the waste places which are now inhabited, and against the people who are gathered from the nations, who have acquired cattle and goods, who live in the center of the world. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all its villages will say to you, Have you come to capture spoil? Have you assembled your company to seize plunder, to carry away silver and gold? to take away cattle and goods, to capture great spoil? 
Therefore prophesy, son of man, and say to Gog, Thus says the Lord God, On that day, when my people Israel are living securely, will you not know it? You will come from your place out of the remotest parts of the earth, and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great assembly, and a mighty army. And you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It shall come about in the last days that I will bring you against my land, so that the nations may know me when I am sanctified through you before their eyes, O Gog. Thus says the Lord God, Are you the one of whom I spoke in former days through my servants, the prophets of Israel? who prophesied in those days for many years that I would bring you against them? It will come about on that day when Gog comes against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God, that my fury will mount up in my anger. In my zeal and in my blazing wrath, I declare that on that day there will surely be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all the creeping things that creep on the earth, and all the men who are on the face of the earth will shake at my presence. The mountains also will be thrown down. The steep pathways will collapse, and every wall will fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against him on all my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. With pestilence and with blood I will enter into judgment with him, and I will rain on him and on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, a torrential rain, with hailstones, fire, and brimstone. I will magnify myself, sanctify myself, and make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and I will turn you around, drive you on, take you up from the remotest parts of the north, and bring you against the mountains of Israel. I will strike your bow from your left hand, and dash down your arrows from your right hand. You will fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the peoples who are with you. I will give you as food to every kind of predatory bird and beast of the field. You will fall on the open field, for it is I who have spoken, declares the Lord God. And I will send fire upon Magog and those who inhabit the coastlands in safety, and they will know that I am the Lord. My holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profaned any more. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is coming, and it shall be done, declares the Lord God. That is the day of which I have spoken. Then those who inhabit the cities of Israel will go out and make fires with the weapons and burn them, with shields and bucklers, bows and arrows, 
war clubs and spears, and for seven years they will make fires of them. They will not take wood from the field or gather firewood from the forests, for they will make fires with the weapons, and they will take the spoil of those who despoiled them and seize the plunder of those who plundered them, declares the Lord God. On that day, I will give Gog a burial ground there in Israel, a valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will block off those who would pass by. So they will bury Gog there with all his horde, and they will call it the Valley of Haman Gog. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Even all the people of the land will bury them, and it will be to their renown on the day that I glorify myself, declares the Lord God. They will set apart men who will constantly pass through the land, burying those who are passing through, even those left on the surface of the ground, in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make a search. As those who pass through the land pass through, and anyone sees a man's bone, then he will set up a marker by it until the barriers have buried it in the valley of Haman Gog. And even the name of the city will be Hamonah, so they will cleanse the land. As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, Speak to every kind of bird and to every beast of the field. Assemble and come. Gather from every side to my sacrifice, which I am going to sacrifice for you, as a great sacrifice on the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You will eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of the princes of the earth as though they were rams, lambs, goats, and bulls, all of them fatlings of Bashan. So you will eat fat until you are glutted, and drink blood until you are drunk, from my sacrifice which I have sacrificed for you. You will be glutted at my table with horses and charioteers, with mighty men and all the men of war, declares the Lord God. And I will set my glory among the nations, and all the nations will see my judgment which I have executed, and my hand which I have laid on them. And the house of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God from that day onward. The nations will know that the house of Israel went into exile for their iniquity, because they acted treacherously against me. And I hid my face from them. So I gave them into the hand of their adversaries, and all of them fell by the sword. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, I dealt with them, and I hid my face from them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob, and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. They will forget their disgrace and all their treachery which they perpetrated against me when they lived securely on their own land with no one to make them afraid. When I bring them back from the peoples and gather them from the lands of their enemies, then I shall be sanctified through them 
in the sight of the many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God, because I made them go into exile among the nations, and then gathered them again to their own land. And I will leave none of them there any longer. I will not hide my face from them any longer, for I will have poured out my Spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. In the twenty-fifth year of our exile, at the beginning of the year, on the tenth of the month, in the fourteenth year after the city was taken, on that same day the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me there. In the visions of God he brought me into the land of Israel, and set me on the very high mountain. And on it to the south there was a structure like a city. So he brought me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze, with a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand. And he was standing in the gateway. The man said to me, Son of man, see with your eyes, hear with your ears, and give attention to all that I am going to show you. For you have been brought here in order to show it to you. Declare to the house of Israel all that you see. And behold, there was a wall on the outside of the temple all around, and in the man's hand was a measuring rod of six cubits, each of which was a cubit and a handbreadth. So he measured the thickness of the wall, one rod, and the height, one rod. Then he went to the gate which faced east, when went up its steps, and measured the threshold of the gate, one rod in width, and the other threshold was one rod in width. The guardroom was one rod long and one rod wide, and there were five cubits between the guardrooms. And the threshold of the gate by the porch of the gate, facing inward, was one rod. Then he measured the porch of the gate facing inward, one rod. He measured the porch of the gate, eight cubits, and its side pillars, two cubits. And the porch of the gate was faced inward. The guard rooms of the gate toward the east numbered there three on each side. The three of them had the same measurement. The side pillars also had the same measurement on each side. And he measured the width of the gateway, ten cubits, and the length of the gate, thirteen cubits. There was a barrier wall, one cubit wide, in front of the guard rooms on each side, and the guard rooms were six cubits square on each side. He measured the gate from the roof of the first guard room to the roof of the other, a width of twenty five cubits from one door to the door opposite. He made the side pillars sixty cubits high. The gate extended round about to the side pillar of the courtyard. From the front of the entrance gate is the front of the inner porch of the gate, and it was fifty cubits. There were shuttered windows looking toward the guard rooms, and toward their side pillars within the gate all around, and likewise for the porches. And there were windows all around inside, and on each side pillar were palm tree ornaments. 
Then he brought me into the outer court, and behold, there were chambers and a pavement made for the court all around. Thirty chambers faced the pavement. The pavement, that is, the lower pavement, was by the side of the gates, corresponding to the length of the gates. Then he measured the width from the front of the lower gate to the front of the exterior of the inner court, a hundred cubits, on the east and on the north. As for the gate of the outer court, which faced the north, he measured its length and its width. It had three guard rooms on each side, and its side pillars and its porches had the same measurement as the first gate. Its length was fifty cubits and the width twenty-five cubits. Its windows and its porches and the palm tree ornaments had the same measurements as the gate, which faced toward the east. And it was reached by seven steps, and its porch was in front of them. The inner court had a gate opposite the gate on the north, as well as the gate on the east. And he measured a hundred cubits from gate to gate. Then he led me toward the south, and behold, there was a gate toward the south, and he measured its side pillars and its porches according to those same measurements. The gate and its porches had windows all around, like those other windows. The length was fifty cubits, and the width twenty-five cubits. There were seven steps going up to it, and its porches were in front of them and it had palm tree ornaments on its side pillars, one on each side. The inner court had a gate toward the south, and he measured from gate to gate toward the south, a hundred cubits. Then he brought me to the inner court by the south gate, and he measured the south gate according to those same measurements. Its guard rooms also, its side pillars, and its porches were according to those same measurements. And the gate and its porches and had windows all around. It was 50 cubits long and 25 cubits wide. There were porches all around, 25 cubits long and 5 cubits wide. Its porches were toward the outer court, and palm tree ornaments were on its side pillars, and its stairway had eight steps. He brought me into the inner court toward the east, and he measured the gate according to those same measurements. Its guard rooms also, its side pillars and its porches, were according to those same measurements. And the gate and its porches had windows all around. It was fifty cubits long and twenty-five cubits wide. Its porches were toward the outer court, and palm tree ornaments were on its side pillars on each side, and its stairway had eight steps. Then he brought me to the north gate, and he measured it according to those same measurements, with its guard rooms, its side pillars, and its porches. And the gate had windows all around. The length was fifty cubits, and the width twenty-five cubits. Its side pillars were toward the outer court, and palm tree ornaments were on its side pillars on each side, and its stairway had eight steps. A chamber, with its doorway, was by the side pillars at the gates. There they rinse the burnt offering, 
In the porch of the gate were two tables on each side, on which to slaughter the burnt offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering. On the outer side, as one went up to the gateway toward the north, there were two tables, and on the other side of the porch of the gate were two tables. Four tables were on each side next to the gate, or eight tables on which they slaughter sacrifices. For the burnt offering, there were four tables of hewn stone, a cubit and a half long, a cubit and a half wide, and one cubit high, on which they lay the instruments with which they slaughter the burnt offering and the sacrifice. The double hooks, one handbreadth in length, were installed in the house all around, and on the tables was the flesh of the offering. From the outside to the inner gate were chambers for the singers in the inner court, one of which was at the side of the north gate, with its front toward the south, and one at the side of the south gate, facing toward the north. He said to me, This is the chamber which faces toward the south, intended for the priests who keep charge of the temple. But the chamber which faces toward the north is for the priests who keep charge of the altar. These are the sons of Zadok, who from the sons of Levi come near to the Lord to minister to him. He measured the court a perfect square, a hundred cubits long and a hundred cubits wide, and an altar was in front of the temple. Then he brought me to the porch of the temple and measured each side pillar of the porch five cubits on each side, and the width of the gate was three cubits on each side. The length of the porch was twenty cubits, and the width eleven cubits. And at the stairway by which it was ascended were columns belonging to the side pillars, one on each side. Then he brought me to the nave, and measured the side pillars, six cubits wide on each side, was the width of the side pillar. The width of the entrance was ten cubits, and the sides of the entrance were five cubits on each side. And he measured the length of the nave, forty cubits, and the width, twenty cubits. Then he went inside and measured each side pillar of the doorway, two cubits, and of the doorway, six cubits high, and the width of the doorway, seven cubits. He measured its length, twenty cubits, and the width, twenty cubits, before the nave. And he said to me, This is the most holy place. Then he measured the wall of the temple, six cubits, and the width of the side chambers, four cubits, all around about the house on every side. The side chambers were in three stories, one above another, and thirty in each story, and the side chambers extended to the wall which stood on their inward side all around, that they might be fastened, and not be fastened into the wall of the temple itself. The side chambers surrounding the temple were wider at each successive story. Because the structure surrounded the temple went upward by stages on all sides of the temple, Therefore, the width of the temple increased as it went higher, 
and thus one went up from the lowest story to the highest, by way of the second story. I saw also that the house had a raised platform all around. The foundations of the side chambers were a full rod of six long cubits in length. The thickness of the outer wall of the side chambers was five cubits. But the free space between the side chambers belonging to the temple and the outer chambers was twenty cubits in width all around the temple on every side. The doorways of the side chambers toward the free space consisted of one doorway toward the north and another doorway toward the south, and the width of the free space was five cubits all around. The building that was in front of the separate area at the side toward the west was seventy cubits wide, and the wall of the building was five cubits thick all around, and its length was ninety cubits. Then he measured the temple, a hundred cubits long. The separate area with the building and its walls were also a hundred cubits long. Also, the width of the front of the temple and that of the separate areas along the east side totaled a hundred cubits. He measured the length of the building along the front of the separate area behind it, with a gallery on each side, a hundred cubits. He also measured the inner nave and the porches of the court. The threshold, the latticed windows, and the galleries round about their three stories, opposite the threshold, were paneled with wood all around. And from the ground to the windows, but the windows were covered, over the entrance, and to the inner house, and on the outside, and on all the wall all around, inside and outside, by measurement. It was carved with cherubim and palm trees, and a palm tree was between cherub and cherub, and every cherub had two faces, a man's face toward the palm tree on one side, and a young lion's face toward the palm tree on the other side. They were carved on all the house all around. From the ground to above the entrance, Cherubim and palm trees were carved, as well as on the wall of the nave. The doorposts of the nave were square. As for the front of the sanctuary, the appearance of one doorpost was like that of the other. The altar was of wood, three cubits high, and its length two cubits. Its corners, its bases, and its sides were made of wood. And he said to me, this is the table that is before the Lord. The nave and the sanctuary each had a double door. Each of the doors had two leaves, two swinging leaves, two leaves for one door and two leaves for the other. Also, there were carved on them, on the doors of the nave, cherubim and palm trees, like those carved on the walls. And there was a threshold of wood on the front of the porch outside. There were latticed windows and palm trees on one side and on the other, on the sides of the porch. Thus were the side chambers of the house and the thresholds. Then he brought me out into the outer court, the way toward the north, 
And he brought me to the chamber which was opposite the separate area and opposite the building toward the north. Along the length, which was a hundred cubits, was the north door. The width was fifty cubits. Opposite the twenty cubits which belonged to the inner court, and opposite the pavement which belonged to the outer court, was gallery, corresponding to gallery in three stories. Before the chambers was an inner walk ten cubits wide, a way of one hundred cubits, and their openings were on the north. Now the upper chambers were smaller, because the galleries took more space away from them than from the middle and lower ones in the building, for they were in three stories and had no pillars like the pillars of the courts. Therefore the upper chambers were set back from the ground upward, more than the lower and the middle ones. As for the outer wall by the side of the chambers, toward the outer court facing the chambers, its length was fifty cubits. For the length of the chambers which were in the outer court was fifty cubits. And behold, the length of those facing the temple was a hundred cubits. Below these chambers was the entrance on the east side, as one enters them from the outer court. In the thickness of the wall of the court toward the east, facing the separate area and facing the building, there were chambers. The way in front of them was like the appearance of the chambers which were on the north. According to their length, so was their width. And all their exits were both according to their arrangements and openings. Corresponding to the openings of the chambers which were toward the south was an opening at the head of the way, the way in front of the wall toward the east, as one enters them. Then he said to me, the north chambers and the south chambers, which are opposite the separate area, they are the holy chambers, where the priests who are near to the Lord shall eat the most holy things. There they shall lay the most holy things, the grain offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering, for the place is holy. When the priests enter, then they shall not go out into the outer court from the sanctuary, without laying there their garments in which they minister, for they are holy. They shall put on other garments, then they shall approach that which is for the people. Now when he had finished measuring the inner house, he brought me out by the way of the gate, which faced toward the east, and measured it all around. He measured on the east side with the measuring reed, five hundred reeds by the measuring reed. He measured on the north side five hundred reeds by the measuring reed. On the south side he measured five hundred reeds with the measuring reed. He turned to the west side and measured five hundred reeds with the measuring reed. He measured it on the four sides. It had a wall all around. The length five hundred and the width five hundred, to divide between the holy and the profane. So I don't know how you felt as soon as we started our reading today, but you may have been wondering, what is going on? All this seems very strange as to what's going on here. 
So let's go ahead and break this up here. It's going to be a short description today because there's not a whole lot to talk about. But really, we just need to divide this into two pieces. Chapters 38 and 39 are related to each other. And then chapters 40 through 42, as we saw, are related to each other. So what is going on here in chapters 38 and 39? So this is what we call the Battle of Gog and Magog. So this is referring to not a present issue with Israel, but this is going to be a future attack. So this is a scene that is very similar to what we see in the book of Revelation, which is the Battle of Armageddon. So this is end times stuff right here. So it's unclear of when this battle is going to take place, but it's going to show that Israel will be living in security. So if we understand how the tribulation language works in the book of Revelations and stuff like that, there will be a time when Israel is going to make a, a treaty of sorts with the Antichrist. And at that time, then the battle of Armageddon will take place. So we see that the Lord is going to use a particular group of people, and they're referred to as the land of Gog and the land of Magog. And then you mention places like the Prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. So we're not sure exactly where this is, but one hint that we may have, whether it's accurate or not, you need to take this as a grain of salt because this is not biblical. There is a famous theologian of the Jewish people during the time of Christ whose name was Josephus. And Josephus was a Jewish scholar who was also involved in the destruction of Jerusalem in the year A.D. 70. He was witness to the things that Jesus predicted would happen when Jerusalem fell after he ascended to heaven. So he mentions a lot of commentary about the Bible. And one of the commentaries he wrote was that Magog was identified by him as the land of the Scythians, which the Scythians is the area which is currently occupied by Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. So that gives us an idea of who this might be. So is Russia going to go up against Israel sometime? Maybe. We don't know yet. Then it mentions Rosh being the area of modern Iran. So is Iran and Russia going to go against Israel? Maybe. We don't know. But that's what it seems to suggest. It looks like they're also going to have other allies, because it mentions also in verses 5 and 6 that you'll see Persia, which is modern-day Iran. You'll see Ethiopia, which is, you know, northern Africa. You'll see Put, which is today called Libya. You have Gomer, which is part of Turkey. And then you have Beth Togarma, which is another part of Turkey. So you see that there's a whole group of people that are going to go after Israel, little Israel, is going to be attacked by all these people. And God is going to destroy these people. Beginning in verse 17, God himself declares that he will defeat these attackers by means of an earthquake, 
Soldiers are going to be killing each other, and there's going to be torrential rain. But it's not just a normal rain, because it also mentions hailstones, fire, and brimstone. So is there going to be a volcano eruption too? Is there going to be stuff that comes out of the sky from, from, from space? I mean, what's going on here? It sounds very fantastical. So then after that, it says that there will be a valley called Haman Gog, where all these dead people are going to be laid. It's going to take them seven months to bury them all. That's how numerous they are. So why is God doing this? For two reasons, I can see. For one is he wants the nations to know his glory. He needs the world to understand that he is God. But secondly, Israel needs to know God's mercy and his grace in their life, that he hasn't abandoned them. He still values them as a precious people to him. But they need to obey and worship the Lord properly. So there's a lot more that you could probably glean from this, but that's just kind of getting you started on the study of this. But this is a future conflict that is most likely going to be the Battle of Armageddon. And this is definitely worth studying. But let's look briefly at what's going on here in chapter 40 and onward. What we read in chapter 40 through 42 continues all the way to chapter 48. And so what we see here is an establishment of a proper relationship between the Lord and Israel. Because at first you're wondering, like, why is all this guy measuring all this stuff? Well, first of all, we need to understand, who is this guy? That's important to know, isn't it? In verse 3, it mentions that there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. So we've seen a description similar to that before, haven't we? Anytime you see Jesus in the future prophecies, he's described like this. Not to mention, you're going to see in chapter 44, that it is specifically the Lord himself. So this is most likely the angel of the Lord, which is a physical appearance of God himself. So this is most likely tied to the preeminent appearance of Christ. So this is Jesus here measuring this temple, if you want to put it like that. Very fascinating. But why is he doing this? What Jesus is doing here is he is showing us a rebuilding of the temple, a renewed temple. So what we understand in the end times is that the Antichrist will not come until the next temple has been built. And so we have two incarnations of the temple of God in Jerusalem that both lay in waste right now. One from the times of Solomon, right, that he built, that was destroyed by Babylon. And then it was rebuilt later by Herod the Great. And then that was destroyed by the Romans in the year 70 AD. So right now, we you go to Israel, and there are just ruins of the temple. But apparently, the Bible is predicting that there will be a third time that this building will be rebuilt. And not only that, but God here is giving us the exact dimensions of what it's going to be. So it's very specific. And so 
I love that God does that when he gets very specific to show that it really is him, right? To show that he is the one who causes all things to be, and he is the only one who can see the future with perfect accuracy. So he goes around, he starts measuring all these different things. He measures chambers, he measures guard rooms, he measures the walls, he measures a lot of different things here. When we get to chapter 41, he is measuring the temple itself, and especially the most holy of places. Now, he mentions two different rods that he's using to measure with, so let's make sure we get this clear as well. He has a normal measuring rod, and that's for smaller measurements, but then he also has something called a measuring reed, which is how he gets those longer ones. So remember, a cubit is from your elbow to the tip of your fingers. And then he measures 500 of those. So that's either just going to be incremental measurements that he's doing, or that's a really long read. So this is going to be a big temple we see here, a lot bigger than any of the other ones that have been made before. So we're not quite done with the measuring of the temple. There's more to it next time, briefly. But then it goes into what's going to go on within the temple and the glory of the Lord returning to Israel. So that'll be very interesting to read tomorrow. But for now, that's all that I have. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.